What's up, Paint the Profits podcast listeners? I'm Darius Bell, executive producer of the pod. Today's episode is about really the, the reality of entrepreneurship and the fact that you can fail. Today's guest is Matthew Stanford, the man who built up a business over a couple years, was rolling in it, and then lost it all. So grab your favorite note-taking app, piece of pen and paper, and enjoy today's podcast. Hey, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Paying to Profits. I'm your host, Samson Jagoris. Hey, listen up. Business is hard, and most entrepreneurs struggle to start, buy, build, scale, and ultimately sell their company because they lack clarity and they lack a system. And we're building an ecosystem of companies to help entrepreneurs at every step in their journey. And we're giving them the cash, the knowledge, the attitude, the skills, and the habits. And every single week, we're bringing on entrepreneurs to help you guys save time and level up by unpacking their story and journey and how they went from pain to profits. And today we have a really great episode with my friend, Matthew Stafford, Greater Area Painting. And he's really only been an entrepreneur. I take that back. He's been in sales for a long time, but he's been running his own company for the past two years. And there's been a lot of trials and tribulations through that. And I think that you guys as an audience are going to learn the most from this podcast by how he messed up and how he's working hard to fix it. And the fact that he can sit here and own that and share that is probably the difference. And some of you listening to this are probably going to be uncomfortable. And that's going to be a good example of why you're probably not ready to be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurship takes a lot of guts and it's the weirdest career path on the planet. Um, There's no clear job description, but every single day you're getting after it, trying to essentially scale yourself out of a job and hire people and build a company and build an asset. So without further ado, I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's beautiful. That sounds right. Yeah. Matthew, you, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you being you, here. Thank you. Thank you. You've been an entrepreneur for a while, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we always talk about the man in the arena, right? right. It's there's a, there's a lot of armchair quarterbacks out there, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the business. Um, sometimes those are your own employees mm-hmm. who think they can do it better or whatever that may be. But you learn 10 times more by just failing. So And doing. Yeah. And doing 100%. So Let's um let's talk about who who you are. Yeah. Who is Matthew? Where do you come from? Where'd you grow up? And yeah, fantastic. So uh, I'm from Denver, uh, Thornton to be specific. Uh, that's where I grew up. And uh, when I was 18, I moved to Fort Collins. Cool. And that kind of started. Uh, so who I am? I'm somebody who's moved around quite a bit. <laughs> I'm somebody who has always been the you know what I'm going to go try this. I'm going to go do that kind of person. And then so when I get different opportunities to live in different places, I moved around a lot when I was younger. Just trying new things. Just trying new things. And, um, you know, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. So I'll I'll give you a couple examples, right? Um, My brother calls me up and he says, I'm living in Frisco, which Frisco, Colorado. Yeah. And he's like, "Uh, it's expensive up here. You want to come live with me? (laughs) Yes, right? <laughs> so I went and I lived a few years up in Frisco. And um, I started out with like a job there. And then I actually went on to start a mobile detailing business Cool in the mountains of Colorado. Yeah. So that works during the summer. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it fell off, right? Yeah. Uh, that was, you learned something. But I learned a lot. How I old were you when lot. you did that? Oh, 23? Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Yeah. So I was just like, hey, I'm just going to go for it. And then, um, so I did that, and then I moved back to Fort Collins. And then uh, I moved to Virginia Beach, and I had a job there for a while. 
I lived on the beach for three years. Cool. Um, and then I started um, a small marketing company. So I did that for a while. And then um, that, that time my life ended. So I uh, moved back to uh, Fort Collins. And uh, so that's kind of my life. I just, I'm always looking to go on to the next step, learn new stuff, do new stuff. Yeah, you learn by doing. You learn by doing, you know, and, and great life experiences too, you know. Yeah. So I'm one of those people that just loves life experiences. Not many people could say they lived at 11,000 feet in the mountains yeah. and literally a block away from the beach. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm one of those people, and I just think it's it's great. That's awesome, man. Yeah, man. Um, aside from your work, you know, what, in, what inspires you, what motivates you? Yeah, so um, I'm one of those people that just gets into really quirky things, like um, <laughs> you know, it's it, I know I know I'm a, like whittling, like no, like <laughs> like electricity, right? Okay. Electricity fascinates me. Yeah, maybe it's because Elon Musk. I think he's really cool. But when I start looking into electricity, I think electricity is an amazing thing. Yeah. So um, I just uh, my whole life, I just uh, I always find little things that trip my trigger and. You I like learning new stuff. Yeah. Go down the rabbit hole, right? Yeah, there's so many things in this world that we'll probably never know about because we never stopped to actually think about it. That's there's right. only so many hours in the day. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Uh, how do you challenge yourself outside of business and work? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, to me, uh, out my life is kind of like I don't I don't view my entrepreneurship and my life separately. Yeah. I view them as the same. Um, the biggest challenge to me is like relationships outside of work, yeah. you know, uh, keeping relationships with family, your spouse, you know, um, friends. And so that really challenges me. And then, so what I do outside of work is I try to maintain all that I can through those relationships. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, a, it's a bit of a work life sacrifice, yep. you know, I get most of my, social interaction by way of business. Right. But any extra free time that I have is spent with my family. Family. Yep. Yeah. So people are like, yeah, you wish you, you want to go over a long weekend. Yeah. I'm like, meh, good. And no, I I'm on the family journey. So we're, we're, um, uh, hopefully in the next few years I'll have, cool. have, have a kid or two. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the greatest gift on the planet. Um, nothing I think personally is better than that. Right. Um, business is cool, but in comparison to that, it's like, yeah, whatever. Right. <clears throat> so what's really cool is being able to impart the wisdom with your kids and like working with my wife and working with my kids and teaching them about money and finance and right. being stewards of the gifts that were given from God. That's the coolest part for me. That is, that is really cool. You know, uh, one thing I really look forward to is I probably would not have been ready in the past. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and um, I had to go through a lot of leadership training and things like that to really learn that, like, my mindset wasn't 100% perfect when I was younger. Mm. Can, you, can you unpack that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, um, every, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always think that I'm on the right path, I'm doing the right things. Yeah, I'm so smart. I'm so smart. And, and it wasn't until I got real, I started paying for coaches mm. that I started realizing that, wow, the way I think about life and the way I live life, it's okay, but it's definitely not how um, what I view successful people or leaders, leaders in their community, leaders in the church, leaders in general actually live their life. Yeah. So, so now that I've unpacked a lot of that in my life and gotten through, know how to do better time management, budgeting, just normal stuff, yeah. right? Um, I feel like I'm a lot more ready. 
I, I lead a, uh, a small men's group where we we're reading through Ecclesiastes right now. Okay. Good book. Yep. You should read it. Yeah. But that book, uh, is very eye opening. Um, because I think as entrepreneurs, it's really easy to get caught up in our ego and all the worldly pursuits and lose sight of the true meaning of what we're doing and why we're doing it, which is ultimately to honor God and serve others and make this place better with our gifts, you know? And so, um, yeah, the journey is, it's never ending. We're always growing and getting better. And if you're not growing, you know, we have to go through hardships in our life in order to actually grow. Um, we're in a weird place in society right now where everybody's just sinking comfort and the now, right. Uh, delayed gratification is not a thing. Um, patience is not a thing. Your truth is like the leading thought for everybody. And (laughs) there's only the truth. And so, um, entrepreneurship will teach you a lot about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you gotta be ready for that. Correct. And it'll, it'll actually, it can make you a better version of yourself, uh, if you let it. Um, but it can, you know, can also money, power, status can also just bring out more of your, who you already are, you know? So it's good that you're dealing with that and working with that. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. 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 That is, is a really important thing to me. You know, um, when I got my mentor and, um, paid for my coaching programs, uh, a huge thing that helped me was the community mm. that came along with it. I think community is everything. Yep. Uh, again, um, I mean, it's who your friends are. Yeah. <laughs> and so show me your five closest and I'll show you your future. Exactly. I, you met, had a post about that recently, yep. but um, it's who your friends are. And so that's what really spurred my, my ability to just let go and say, uh, be open to being wrong. Mm. You know, also integrity. I, I, I don't know if you've ever analyzed your own integrity. I, I'm assuming you have uh, regularly. Yeah. Um, but that analyzing your own integrity is a, a kick in the rear end, man. Um, you can learn a lot about yourself doing it. But yeah, well, especially when you're at the helm, right? right? You can make some decisions that are best interest for you. Right. Not necessarily for the company or for everybody else who's involved. Right. And it um, it takes a, a real integrity to make the decision, the right decision right. when nobody's there to hold you accountable. Right. But it's different when you, when you know that you have an ultimate accountability partner right <laughs> right T- totally we all report to somebody when, when you're at the top of the food <laughs> chain you know you report to the lord so right that's super important i so, agree by the way i love that this is a christian uh podcast dude it, it's not so the way that we view this honestly this is actually great i love you said that this is just how business this is just how we think about business it's not like for christian right. entrepreneurs and once upon a time like that's what this country was founded on right was christian values god god this country was founded on god right and all the disciples were entrepreneurs, right? You know, they weren't, they didn't, they didn't like climb the corporate ladder, you know, they were right. fishermen and uh, tax collectors and right. They were right. just rebel rousers. Right. And so for us, it's like, they're not separate things. It's just, this is how we do it. And, and it's who we are. It's beautiful. You talk about your circle. Well, we we're talking about your diet, right? So right. not only what you eat, but it's what you listen to, how you think the content that you consume. Right. And so, you know, our, all me, Darius, everybody who works within this company, our ultimate counselor is the Lord ultimately. And uh, that's who we're ultimately held accountable to. And so you want to talk about having a moral compass. Mm. Um, You want to talk about being able to check each other and say, Hey man, the way that we're leading or speaking or whatever doesn't really represent Mm. uh, the Lord in the right way. Right. It's a great ego check Mm. for sure. Mm. So, Mm. But surround yourself. Surround right. yourself with the right kind of people, right? right. You know, you, you, your vibe attracts your tribe. 
Cool. So you right before the show, you were talking about what you were doing before you got into entrepreneurship of starting your own, your own painting business, your current company that you have right now. <clears throat> you were selling cars. Right. So when you came back to Fort Collins, was that the job that you chose? How did you end up in selling cars? And what did you learn from that? Yeah. So funny story. Uh, I actually didn't go right into selling cars. Uh, I've done that before. Um, selling cars, you can make a lot of money and it's not the most difficult thing in the world. So that's kind of like my fallback. If all else fails, I'll just go make, you know, yeah, 10 to 20 grand a month selling cars. Um, so when I got back, I actually was really inspired to start a vending machine company. Okay. I just was like, I want cash. I was like, I'll just go buy some cheap machines, fill them up, start getting some cash flow. Yeah. Um, well, and the barrier to entry is relatively low. Relatively right? low. Yeah. yeah. You just got to be able to put them places. Right. Um, and then COVID hit. Mm. So bye bye vending machine idea. Uh, nothing else really struck me. Yeah. I, as an entrepreneur, when you do things, uh, I don't know if you're like this, but you got to be inspired. Yeah. It has to be something that you're into. You got to be into it. I, I will say, though, like you're, if you're just doing it for the money, right. that's the least way to be inspired. But the gap between where you're at and the vision for the future is where passion actually exists. Right. It could be anything as long as you have a vision for the future. But nobody's waking up and going, hey, man, I can't just be wait to be the king of vending. I can't wait right. to go just put <laughs> 30 more truth. things of M&Ms in this vending machine. And oh, maybe we'll upgrade to putting some you know Red Bulls in there. It's yeah. like no, nobody's getting inspired by that. But it is it is a way to make money, Cash. and you might as well just go get a job. Right, you probably have more fun, more time freedom, and make more money. Go sell cars. Well, that's very very true, right? Um, <laughs> and it's faster, and and it's way faster. And sometimes as an entrepreneur, you just don't think like that. You're just like, I don't want to work for other people. Yeah, sometimes we're just such rebels and, and so independent that it's like I just got to go I, do my own thing. I just got to figure it out. Yeah, you know. And uh, but yeah, so that that didn't really work out. So then I went uh, to selling cars in Fort Collins. Yeah. And um, so I just, you know, it's something that I'm good at. I'm just in, I've always been in sales. So yep. uh, processes, sales, conversationally, I'm just good with yep. people. So uh, that's an easy, easy bridge for me. So I used that and I was like, all right, well, I'll just rebuild my life and, and figure it out. So I just started selling cars. You know, there's this real, there's a common theme amongst most entrepreneurs who are pretty successful they've had a stint in sales at some point in their career, myself included. Cause at, at a certain point when you start, at least as a founder, you're the number one salesperson. You have to. And so if you're too focused on product and you're not focused on revenue, good you're, luck. You're not going to sell anything. <laughs> yeah. You ain't going to make it, you know? So yeah, you have to be good at sales. And you know, if you're listening to this and thinking about entrepreneurship and you don't have any sales experience, don't let that stop you. Right. You just got to find a partner that can go sell or you got to hire somebody straight away. Totally, totally agree with that. Um, unless you have the very unique ability to where you can listen and pick up on something very, very quickly. Yeah. There are people that do have that. Um, sure. But then they would probably have already been in sales because you can make 10 <laughs> times more money than what they were already doing. That's true. That's you know, true. So it's just, it, I, I view salesmanship as like courage, you sure. know, like people that have high amounts of courage uh, could be salespeople. Yeah, that's definitely an attribute, right? Exactly. Yeah, you can't you can't be afraid to hear no and get kicked in the teeth a few times, have a few doors slammed in your face. Absolutely. Yeah. 
It's on the next one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you're not like that, yeah, definitely find a partner. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I always think about that because my dad is an incredible craftsman mm-hmm. and uh, ran his own contracting business. Mm-hmm. Never really broke out beyond like being a solopreneur and right. maybe my brother working with him because it was very railroad track thinking. He'd get a job by maybe like way of a referral. Right. He'd work and then all of a sudden pick his head up and be like, oh my gosh, I need to go find another job, you right. know? Then he would like maybe work the network a little bit, you know, when in reality he could be working 30 jobs at one time if the salesperson was out there closing them down. Right. You know what I mean? So. Ain't that the truth? So yeah, you either got to have it or you got to go find it. But regardless, as the founding entrepreneur, you're going to eventually have to replace yourself in that role so you can move to higher level of thinking, right? right. You're, you're one part the technician selling, you're one part the chief operations officer, right. you're one part the chief growth officer optimizing the business and you're one part CEO and you're also the business owner. So right. you got this like split personality that you're trying to navigate through. Yeah. Um, and when you first start up, you're the business owner. You currently own hundred percent of nothing. So um, it doesn't mean <laughs> anything until you can figure out how to get the business to scale and create revenue. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? <laughs> but people sure love to walk around saying, ah, I'm a founder. I'm a yeah. Founder. yeah. I mean, we could come up with, give me a random business idea right now. Uh, foot massages. Oh, dude, I just founded a foot massage uh, <laughs> franchise. We're just early days startup. We're still kind of working. That's how easy it is, right? right? And so right. people really love to throw the title around, and then they realize it's dressed in overalls and looks like hard work, and they work. never actually break out. They they kind of always remain interested, right. but not intentional. Right. And there's a difference. You know, most most people who start businesses aren't entrepreneurs. Right. They're technicians. They're really good at a specific craft. They're good at sales maybe, and they think they can just sell their way out of this thing, this problem. And if they do it long enough and hard enough that eventually they'll just get that one deal and boom, you know, it's like everybody uses the, uh, the bamboo metaphor. You heard that? Uh, Water the the bamboo. Bamboo has a really hard seed. Every day for six years? It's four years. Four years. It has a really hard seed. And if you water it long enough, Mm -hmm. you just go for it long enough, you know, eventually it'll grow and boom, you'll scale 60 feet in one year. <laughs> you know, that's what, that's how bamboo is. And it's yep. just like, that's not truth. And it allows us to escape the truth and the reality of the work and the tactile things that we need to get done right. in order to grow. And it, it, absolutely. And I think that's okay to like, think about your knowledge about things. Like I, I think everybody should always be educating themselves about, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you know, about different things all of the time Yep. because I think that conversation intellectually can help people stay in the game Yeah, and not give up on learning more and more and more and more. Yeah. But don't use it as an excuse to say that if I just do it long enough, because there's a reason that 80% of businesses fail in the first two years. Totally. Totally. (laughs) So it's the problem with books and knowledge is like, if we don't have context or mental models or frameworks to put them through that they're very challenging to, uh, adopt that information and utilize it. Yeah. How do you navigate that? Because it, it's been a curse and a blessing in the past for me. Well, there's eight core concepts to business. So you got leadership, finance, operations, growth, product, service, sales, and marketing. So mm-hmm. as the in the book that I'm reading, what what pillar is this solving for? Right. right? <clears throat> and then what seat am I reading it from? Is this me reading this as a salesperson? Or is this me reading this as the chief operations officer mm-hmm. who needs to build a a system and a process so that I can duplicate this sales model so that everybody sells the same way. Because the person that I report to, the chief growth officer, 
who's right. the thermostat. He's temperature's too hot, he's turning it down. Temperature's too cold, he's turning it up. That guy is saying, "Hey, how do we scale this business in a duplicable, repeatable play, uh, way?" Right. And there's no way for me to go in and optimize that and figure out what the problem is mm. if everybody's doing it a different way. Mm. Right. Right. You can't optimize that. Right. And then even worse, you can't integrate technology in order to scale the business because everybody does it a different way. So how would we ever get everybody on the same system? So as you're reading these books, this is what's going through your mind. By the way, master strategist Samson. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that's a great way to think about it. I it's mean, just what seat are you sitting in and what right. problem are you actually solving? Otherwise, it just kind of is like, oh, that's nice. Right. Um, so you, you told me the story about transitioning from selling cars to building the painting company. Yeah. You found a coach and a mentor. You got out there. You sold like 20 houses. Yeah. Well, this actually goes to a conversation about a book. About a book. About right. a book. Let's go. What's the book? So I'm sitting there selling cars and I am just, gosh, I just, I don't necessarily love that job. Yeah. So I go on lunch and I'm, I'm like, God, please give me a sign. <laughs> give me a sign. Give me something. Part so of I, the Red Sea or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I met the drive through of Panda Express and Bob Proctor's on my Facebook feed. Okay. Talking about I love Bob Proctor. one of the books that changed his life. And, Which um, was? The Science of Getting Rich. Mm. So I didn't buy his course on it, but I did buy the book. But, and Bob Proctor <laughs> says something, man. You're convinced. It, you're, you're like, you're I better go read this you're book. Listening. <laughs> yeah. So it's The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. And... Um, Gosh, that book is so dry. It's kind of like <laughs> Thing and Grow Rich to where you have to listen to it like a million times. Yeah. And so... Give me the cliff notes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's what happened to me. Uh, about the 20th time that I listened to it on Audible, <laughs> right, I heard something that just kind of clicked with me. And here's what clicked. It was, there was a statement in there that says, um, you, gosh, I, I'm just going to paraphrase it, but basically it was, if there's two people in one location, one is successful and the other is not, what is the difference? Mm. Right? And it's a big question. Yeah. But the answer is fairly simple. The successful person does things in a successful way. So if you as a normal person wish to become successful, find out what that successful person has done and duplicate it. Mm. Tony Robbins says success leaves clues. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that is what struck me out of the whole book um, that really changed my life. Sometimes that's all you get, one nugget. That's it. And then so I started Googling around um, and just like, okay, there has to be an idea in here. There has to be an idea in here. And uh, there was this YouTube video of this guy who owns a painting company uh, that is like, hey, I can teach you things about painting companies. <laughs> and then so I was like, all right, now we're, now we're on the right track. It's really raw and dirty, you yeah. know, early on videos. Yeah. And I'm he's like, like painting a wall. Yeah, talking yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's, look, it's this easy, guys. Here's how you knock door to door. And it's yeah. like, you know, on a cell phone from 2010, you know. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool, cool. Well, I, I started watching all of his videos. And um, he just happened to be local here in northern Colorado. Cool. And he owns this pretty large coaching company. Um, for painting business owners. And um, he was like, hey, for 3500 bucks, I think it was, um, I'll teach you how to build a painting business from zero to $3 million with no experience, all the processes and everything included. Because I was in sales, I'm like, oh, processes, that's exactly what I need. 
Yeah. I can <laughs> sell, but how do I, I actually paint yeah, something? Yeah. How do I estimate something? And he doesn't teach you any uh, how to paint. Yeah. It's all about the business side of things. Cool. Um, so oh, anyways, I just got into it, got into it, and then I just bought the program. And I was just uh, enthralled with it. So, And there's a lot of content in there. So in that, I'm interested in that because um, you have books, right, which kind of just give you the information. Right. Then you have courses that generally go a little bit deeper with processes and systems. Right. How deep did it actually go? Did it give you scripts? <laughs> did it give you all that? Or? Yeah, everything. Oh, wow. Scripts, everything. Literally A to Z, except for how you deal with Sherwin-Williams and painters. Uh, well, it actually teaches you how to deal with painters. Um, Did it teach you how to hire and do all that too? Hire everything. Everything A to Z. Yep. And um, I was actually shocked because there's there's so much in there. So it was, a, it was like a franchise without the franchise fee, the name, the royalties. Exactly. That. Yeah, business exactly. in a box. Yeah, business in a box. Yep. Just a coaching program. Cool. And uh, I watched it and, you know, it was really funny. It took me a couple months to get the courage. Um, all this time I'm selling cars. I'm doing really good at selling cars. You know, all this time I'm selling cars though. And then on my off time, um, I was just out there, flyers knocking on doors and just following the program. I mean, he has five hours of videos on how to do door to door. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was kind of like a live coaching. So, you, so your extra time. Your free time when you weren't selling cars, Correct. you were out there knocking doors. Knocking doors. Perfect. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're trying to make the transition, that's what it takes. That is what it takes. Yeah. And um, it's nerve wracking. Yeah. Like, even as a salesperson who's not ashamed to come on a podcast, talk about their failures. Yep. Um, even that person, it took me six days of driving around Fort Collins. Being like, all right, this Being is like, the neighborhood. No, no, this isn't the neighborhood. <laughs> they're gonna laugh at me. <laughs> exactly. They they're gonna know I'm an imposter. You know. Well, this so this is good. I'm glad you're bringing this up because I think that people assume that entrepreneurs don't have imposter syndrome. Entrepreneurs don't deal with insecurities. Dude, I, I you you want to know what's rough? Go back and watch yourself on this podcast after you make. Right. I sound like an idiot. I look <laughs> fat. I look. You know, all, all the right. insecurities come out. We have all those. We're just better at tempering them and right. pushing them down. And like you said, developing the courage. Right. And you just get, it never gets easier. You just get better at dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. I learned this. Um, actually hosted um, some shows on KRFC for about five years. Oh, really? And I learned after like the fifth year, I'm like, I'm still nervous every time I go live. <laughs> I'm still like ungodly nervous every time I go live yeah, and it just doesn't go away. So yeah. I just pushed through it for five years and that's actually uh, one of those small things that I did just randomly um, and um, that helped me build the courage. A hundred percent. I think too, that's a little golden nugget. Um, I didn't realize this until I got older and I was a dad, but nervousness and excitement literally feel exactly the same way. Yeah. They only differ by the thoughts that we tell ourselves. <laughs> yes. That's a great way to put it. Right. They feel exactly the same way mm -hmm. physically, but one's like, oh man, what if this happens and that happens and this could go wrong? Excitement's like, dude, when I'm standing at the top, Victoria's <laughs> holding the belt, you know, like people are screaming my name. You know totally. what I mean? We're going to, it's a total, you, so you can control your thoughts and your thoughts become things. You sure, sure can. And, and, and there's proof in that because if you ever go and knock doors, yeah, you know, you don't have any success in it. You're nervous. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're really, really excited because you're 
basically you can print money knocking doors. If, yeah, if you if you start knocking down a couple, it builds your confidence. Absolutely, and then all of a sudden that nervousness turns to excitement. You still feel it when you get to the door. Yep, because <laughs> you don't know what you're going to run into. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. So you so you hire this coach by the course the program. Right, takes you a few few months to get kind of the courage to get going. Get then you going. get going. Mm-hmm. And how long before you go and quit your, we'll call it your day job? Two and a half, three months. Two and a half, three months. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's funny, the, the lineage, you know, um, I went from not knowing um, to, okay, now I sold this job. Now I got to get a paint crew. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now I got to get this paint crew. Okay. So I got a crew painting it and I, I got to learn how to manage this and, and uh, so I got a few of those under my belt, and then I was like, "All right, well, I'm just going to go sell more and do more." And I mean, it wasn't that many jobs that I sold before I just yeah decided to make the leap. But I was like, "Okay, I got it." What's the uh, the margin on a paint job? Forty percent ish. It depends. I mean, if your your goal is fifty, yeah, you know, any anywhere between forty and fifty, you're going to be happy. That's your gross margin. Or correct. That's your net correct. Uh, correct. Gross. Yeah, um, okay. Nets. You know, if you're between fifteen and twenty, you're happy camper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's your take home as the owner, essentially. Yeah. yeah. What's your average job for for doing a as was residential primarily? Yeah. yeah. So this depends on where you're at um, in the country. Um, yeah. So between forty nine, you know, five grand, uh, ten grand on average. On yeah. average. Cool. Yeah. Depends on where your where your target is. Yeah, got it. When when you start getting into it and you start getting really targeted on here's who I want to work with, right? Here's how this, you know, here's first you're just taking everything you can get. First you're just like hundred bucks, paint that door frame. Yeah, done. Yeah, need the money. (laughs) Let's go. And you got to keep your crew happy too. So that's the other competing part of let's keep people busy. Yeah, hundred percent. And so when you, what was the catalyst event that made you go, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm going all in on. On my business. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is really funny. Um, I'm standing out in front of the dealership with another salesperson. I'm thinking about the owner. The owner's a really cool guy. Yeah. And I think they had made a lot of money that month. And I was like, hey, what's the difference? And I'm talking with him. I'm like, hey, what's the difference between us and the owner? Right? And he was like, dude, I don't care. I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to skip this a little closer. He said, I think it's the way I think. Right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that book I read. Oh, yeah. The book I read. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. All these things go in my head. And I was like, you know, and I'm, and I'm literally running paint jobs on the phone while I'm selling cars. <laughs> I got like painters calling me and I'm signing paperwork on car deals. Um, and I was like, you know, I think I'm wasting my time here. And he just simply said, why don't you just quit? Yeah. Big shot. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. yeah. So you quit, you jump all in and things were going really well, right? Yeah. Things things were going great. Um I actually did this towards the winter time, which was a huge risk. Right, because it slows down. Because it slows down. You gotta do interiors. Right. You know, you can do interiors. But when it's you, a little bit exteriors are nice because it doesn't really disrupt the homeowner. The right. interior is a little different because it's now you're in the homeowner's house, and it's Absolutely. a whole different dynamic. Absolutely. I mean, people were still buying and selling houses quite frequently. Yeah. So a lot of interiors are like, hey, I'm moving out or moving in. Yep. 
And so that exists. And, you know, as a, as a new entrepreneur, you start, you know, you get really comfortable buying leads. Okay. Then you can get specific buying leads. And I was like, I could figure out some interior stuff. Um, can't really knock, knock too many doors for interior. And I didn't really have marketing at that time. Like real marketing was just like, Hey, let's buy some leads or knock some doors. Yeah. And, um, which is, that's really a sales strategy. That's not a marketing strategy. It is. It is a sales strategy. It's not a marketing strategy. Correct. Uh, but it was what I was doing. So yeah, and and it does work. It's it definitely gets you there in the short term. But you can't. It's sustaining like ten percent sales a, strategy. It's it's paycheck for marketing. To paycheck. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, but what I wanted to do, and what I, what I was really motivated, what was I found out a lot of these companies shut down during the winter time. Yeah. A lot of painting companies just, you know, larger ones, they just shut down. And I was like, well, Interesting. Um, here's here's my end to find really good painters. Right. So I just started going to Sherwin-Williams, Benjamin Moore, and I just started calling people, knocking on, you know, yeah. <laughs> painters. Selling. No, knocking on painters, van doors at gas yeah, so stations. Like selling from a recruiting oh, standpoint. Oh, oh, absolutely. And then so I was like, hey. Uh, oh, you work for this company, but they're not doing anything this winter. They're only keeping their employees busy. They're a subcontractor. I don't, I, you know, they're still work good. for me. Yeah. Come work for me. If you work for that company, I know they're. I know your quality. Yeah. Right. So come work for me. Let's go. Yeah. And then, so I hustled all winter long, as much as I humanly could, to sell as many interior paint jobs to keep these guys busy, so that I can when I can the summertime ha- rolled around, I can have a relationship with them and we can rock and roll. Yeah. And uh, they appreciated that. And so that was one of the catalysts to me being like um, working an entrepreneurial strategy and being like, all right, I got this. Well, that so that's the key, guys. I mean, I think everybody, when they're thinking about startups or starting a business, that they need to have some like, you know, Microsoft moment where it's like, oh, look, we can build a home computer or something that's revolutionary. Sometimes revolutionizing a business is just literally doing the work that nobody else wants to do, identifying so, the gap. And going and solving a problem for the people who make you so successful, the painters in this case. Right, right. And the painters in this case, right. Yeah. And you can apply that across a lot of things, but that was... Like you, in contracting or like plumbing or electrical, like dude, answer your phone. There's a good start. That, that's it. <laughs> Return a phone call. Show people you're interested. Get a bid done on time. You right. know, like that could literally be your entire business model and you could crush. Oh, Yeah. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. <laughs> so you, you're killing it. It rolls around to the to the summertime, and then now you have all these relationships, and you're still going. And we're rolling, rolling. Yeah. We're rolling. I have a you know, um, salespeople, production manager at this point. Um, people wow. setting leads. You know, I'm working with an, a a um, marketing company, trying to start figuring that out because. Yeah. Buying leads is expensive. Yeah. Uh, lesson learned in the service industry. Buying leads is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you know? When they get you, too, with the rope it up, like, oh, you, it's like a it's like a heroin dealer. Like, oh, first one's on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll give you a $500 credit for 500 leads. Yeah, and then eventually they, they jack the price on you. They start selling it to more people. Yeah. You know, so you're in the same spot. Here was my first um, – uh, lead strategy, and I'm just going to tell you this on the podcast. This okay, is guys, this is yeah, this is gold here. This, it, yeah, but be careful. <laughs> uh, so, um, you want a lot of leads. All you have to do is tell them that you'll spend a lot of money. 
hey, I'm willing to spend 50 grand a month on leads. If you can show me that you can. If you can show me that you can do them. So it was winter time and they weren't showing me any leads. So I turned them all the way up, bro. Yeah. Well, I got flooded with uh, work and estimates, which is fine. Uh, big lesson: They still want their money. Next, they still want their money. Okay, next this week. wasn't gold. If I lied to you. <laughs> no, it's it's gold, and do not do this uh, if you are not a hundred percent completely prepared. Yeah. Um. So you can get leads. Get a little too far up in front of your skis. There. Just you're just gonna do it. You know. So the, you have. So you, I think you always have to just for everybody listening to this. You got to be cognizant of of what your margin is and your lead cost and how that all comes full circle, what your close rate is, what your lifetime value is. Because yeah, you can get the lead, but it's costing you a thousand bucks, which is all your margin. That's it. That's it. You're broke that week. You didn't make any money. And if you have employees to support and uh, bills to pay, um, you have to keep that in mind. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd way rather naturally build a business. If I were to go back and never, ever do that kind of stuff again, I wouldn't do it. Go slow. I would just go slow. Go slow to go fast. Exactly. I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but your your biggest hurdle when you start is time, your time. Right. You got to solve that with talent so that you can be freed up to get time to do more systems and processes, right. which allows you to make the business duplicatable, repeatable, and scalable. And even though you had the coaching program, there's nuance to that. Lots of nuance. This is how we do it. This is how we hire. This is how... We build a team. This is how we manage. This is how we think about those. Those are things that are not in the coaching program because they're coming at it from a singular, you're the guy that's yeah. building the business. Yeah. And and your coach will tell you, here's here's how I would do it. Right. But it's still up to you, you know. You got to listen to his, You got to listen to him. Like his whole thing is, um, this is a summertime business model that I'm teaching you. Mm. So now that I'm doing it all in winter, right? I'm, I'm, um, I'm just... Kind of flying by the seat of my pants, yeah. you know, trying to figure out what's well, what's the winter strategy. Yeah. My coach doesn't have one, mm. <laughs> well, which so, is which is awesome. You just needed to go a little bit slower. I just needed to go slower, yeah. you know. Um, but you know, here here's another lesson as an entrepreneur. Uh, right after I, you know, went full time, the woman in my life at that moment uh, got really really sick, yeah. and then so here's one of the biggest lessons that I've. I've ever learned. Um, um, you have to think clearly in those moments, mm. you know, because like my, let's just turn the leads up strategy was because I'm trying to take care of her and I'm trying to uh, take care of my employees. And I'm just going way too fast. I am not thinking correctly. I am not thinking about, well, what if I fail? Mm. I'm only thinking about what if I succeed? <laughs> and that's a that's it's a thin line. That's a very thin line. It's a and, very thin line. And this happens a lot in entrepreneurship because well, you're like, it's my business. Right. I can do what I want. As the business owner, right. From that seat, the only thing that we're entitled to are profits. That's it. We don't get to make decisions about how the business runs or operates. That's the CEO's role. That's the CGO's role, the COO's role. Right. And so we we have to keep those things separate, but man, it's real life because that's your income source. That's right? it. And so, yeah, if you have things going on in your personal life, you have to be able to take some inventory and separate those two things. Yeah. Um, and to who much is given, much is expected because as soon as you take on the role of being an employer, it ain't just about you anymore. That's right. That's right. And this is this is a big lesson about responsibility. You know, 
Yep. It's kind of like um, <laughs> recently people have been telling me, because I'm talking about starting a family, um, recently people have been telling me like there's no good time to do it. Just do it. Yep, it's true. You know, but um, at the same time, you just make got to make sure you're you're ready and you have a stable brain to do it. And if issues are coming up in your life, you know, it's it's really important to analyze yourself and be like, hey, am I really doing the right thing right now? Yeah. For for you know to live in the light of God for the people that I'm with. What are my priorities? What are my commitments? Yep. You know, can I remain within integrity um, as I do these things? Yep. And if the answer is no, evaluate it. Talk with somebody about it. Find a coach. Find somebody who's done it so that you could talk through it. Because I, I didn't tell my coach a lot of these things. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that's just because I was a little, you know, maybe I was a little hard-headed. I was going through a lot, you know, um, Pride, I, I just, pride comes before the fall. Pride right? becomes before the fall. And I really wish I would have because um, when I talked to him after the fact, he was like, dude, he's like, dude, why didn't you call me, bro? Could have helped you, yeah. You know, and it's just one of those things. So this is something I would just think people should be really cognizant of um, because those decisions will snowball. A hundred percent. And let's, so let's talk about that a little bit. You know, I, I think that uh, sometimes when you have uh, success out of the gate, mm-hmm. It breeds a little bit of that uh, hubris, right? right? Like, ah, I got this, man. I, I got the Midas touch, right. right? And you found out that that was not true. Right. And so let's fast forward from kind of killing it, cranking up the leads, getting a little bit too far out in front of your skis to kind of what happened next. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, I'm a, I'm always a problem solver. So in in your mind, there should always be this thing where you're like, "Hey, every problem is solvable." And as an entrepreneur, that's a great mindset to take, <laughs> you know. Right. But I just kept covering up these little problems and kept covering up problems and covering up how. Um, yeah, you know, my my downfall was uh, covering up um, when I had when I had a couple people, you know, within my organization make some mistakes. Um, I costs a lot of money. Yep. And if you're just throwing everything into this and going balls to the walls, you're making $5 million decisions based on, you know, $5 million a year in revenue decisions. Right. When you're making a million, when you're making a million, it's just not the way to do things. So you don't have that extra money to cushion. So, you know, one of the things was I covered up, um, this short term loss with short term money. Mm. Using debt, credit cards. Oh, Oh, never, ever, 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 ever do that. Yeah. Um, There's a time and a place to use debt to move the business forward, um, but not to cover the the cash flow gap. Correct. (laughs) Not to cover the cash flow gap. Don't do it. Uh, Find a way to make the sales or cut costs. Um, That was the detriment of, um, that's the detriment. And so, um, and so it was that in combination with, you know, your team is, is everything. And so, um, if you don't have uh, the right team, the right um, personalities, um, you just hire wrong and you just hold on to the wrong people and train the wrong people. Yeah, let's, um, un- let's unpack that because I think sometimes when you're growing too fast, that is the number one problem. I can speak to that. I was 
a part of leading strategy and hiring and recruiting for a company where we were hiring a clip of 150 people a year. Right. And similar thing, like we didn't have the right training in place. We didn't have the right tools and resources and processes in place. And so we made some bad hires. I also think that we let some people down. Right. We threw them to the to the deep end and said, hey, good luck. Can right. you swim? Uh, we got training. Like <laughs> we didn't really have training. Like we had information available, but we didn't have like, hey, this is our way. This is how we manage accounts. This is how we manage projects. This is how we do sales. This is how we think about X, Y, and Z. Right. That's a real process and a system. Yeah. And and writing it down, you know. Um, so if it's not written, if it's not written, so replicatable, it, shared by all, it ain't. Your SOPs are everything. Yeah, you know. And this is something that I learned along the way. To where again, your coach and your mentor says, document everything. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And if you don't do it, you read the E Myth. He's like, document everything. You don't do it, you know. Exactly. Retraction. Uh, what are your What are your top retraction? Process? Exactly. Processes. Right? Exactly. Uh, create rocks, um, you know, yeah. all of that. And but if you don't do it, um, you're just going to continue running into problems. And sometimes even when you do do that, you know, even if you go back and do it and say, "Hey, here's the way we're going to do things now," um, if they're not the right people, they're not the right people. The um, the number one problem I see when I'm doing consulting, and and the mistake that I have made is just kind of uh, willful ignorance of like, hey, we'll just keep going. And then uh, when a problem crops up, we'll deal with it. Generally at that point, there's been a ton of symptoms along the way. It's kind of like everybody knows that guy who's like super healthy and then one day he just has a heart attack. You're like, how is this possible? This is the healthiest guy I know, right? It's because internally he was having these issues and problems that were mounting Mm -hmm. and 90% 90% of your nervous system doesn't have pain receptor. So the problems were mounting and it didn't show itself in rear its ugly head until the heart attack happened, right? And so the key to successfully growing the company is to actually be proactively looking day in, day out for problems and issues. And your number one goal as the entrepreneur is to be solving those issues proactively. Proactively, not reactively. That's Correct. the key word. But it's hard because, like we said, time is your biggest enemy. And so when you're the salesperson and you're responsible for all the sales in the organization, right, or you're thinking about all the leads, it starts to eat up bandwidth in your head. And you're like, well, I don't have time to do this, not unless I want to work a 24-hour day. Right. And so we table that thing. Yeah, yeah. This this is actually a great conversation. <laughs> um, I learned that late in my uh, – right before I had to um, – Shutter everything for a little while, right? Um, I went through this. Um, again, uh, a coach, a mentor is worth their weight in gold. Um, 100%. And so I went through this really intense integrity training. Mm. And we talked about how your brain just builds up that cognitive dissonance, right? And <laughs> and a lot of that is every time you get a little bit out of integrity, it just, it just goes into like... Um, Goes into a trash can, right? And all, all of a sudden, before you know it, all your little out, out of integrity things, items, right? Just your trash can gets full. And that's when you start to mentally shut down and not make decisions, mm. you know, correctly. Well, because they're little lies and then you start to actually distrust yourself. And then you just start trusting yourself and, and you just, it's, it's awful. And yeah. so you got to proactively think about that and review you know, how things are going and how you're reacting to these things. 
Yeah. You know, um, and that's something I started doing with some accountability partners that really, you know, got me back on the right track. But um, totally. by then, you know, if your issues are just mounting up and, you know, could be too late. So yep. these are things like when you want to go to be an entrepreneur, you know, these are the skills I think people should have, you know, being able to sit down and write and create an SOP. Yeah. Being able to pull out your cell phone, record a video of yourself, get a little bit of marketing going. Yeah. You know, being able to to uh, review, set goals and review your goals. You yeah. know, being able to work a spreadsheet. Like, I, th- I think a lot of people should really, really consider, you know, what they're learning um, well, bef- beforehand because yeah. a lot of these things are really important. So I learned some of these skills on the fly. Right. And no matter how good of a problem solver I am, no matter how much energy I have, no matter how good you are, yep. if, if you make the wrong decisions, they're still going to bite you. Totally. My, my least favorite excuse is oh, I'm just, that's, not my thing. Yeah. I'm just not good at that. <laughs> I'm, like I'm good at sales, but like it's just not my. I don't feel comfortable on camera. It's like, dude, this is serious business. Like, is. You don't get that option anymore. As soon as you say I'm the entrepreneur, you're at the helm. Guess what? You better get good at content. Right. You better be good at networking. You better be good at spreadsheets and back office. That's no longer an excuse. You at least have to know enough to be dangerous, because you can't just hire everything out. So if you can hire it out, you don't have a choice. Right. You have to figure it out. Right. Otherwise, go get a job. Yeah. It's it, it's really, really important. You know, yeah. I realized this when I was talking to my marketing guy. Yeah. And, um, you know, we got a great relationship and he's like, hey, man, um, I'm ready to get you back on your feet whenever you are. Right. And I said, hey, can you do me a favor? Before you make yourself and your staff available to me, um, I'm going to make a Facebook video every every day for 30 days. You know, I need to create content. My people in my company need to create content. This is this is the only way that I'm going to be able to tell you that I'm going to be valuable to you mm. and get you the the stuff you need to help me out. Right. Right. So can <laughs> can you just do this 30 day challenge with me? He's like, hey, we should get some other people on board for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, I used to sit all the time. I came from the world of marketing where people would hire you thinking that you're going to solve all their problems. Right. And it's like, well, I can generate the lead, but if you can't close it, who cares? And, yeah. and guess what? Marketing has changed. It's not like it used to be 15 years ago right. where I could just turn on Google ads and like direct to search was the way. Right. Now it's about a basic content and 90% of the research is done before the customer ever picks up the phone. And Absolutely. they've already analyzed you and looked at your social media and read your reviews. And so you may or may not ever get a chance to speak with them. Absolutely. Especially if you don't have any social proof. Yes. You know, and you don't have that kind of stuff. What you say matters. A hundred percent. And it could be as simple as, you know, putting your face on the cell phone and just saying, hey, uh, here's the problems we solved today. Yeah. I just told you at the beginning of this podcast, I, I don't listen. I listen to myself talk sometimes. I'm like, you sound like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. You're just a dummy. Yeah. You know, like, look at you. Go get on the treadmill. Stop eating cheeseburgers. You know, it's like <laughs> all those things. Like, who cares? Like right. most of the people who are watching your content are never going to see it again. Right. Hey, you watching this right now, five months from now, unless you subscribe, which I encourage you to do, <laughs> you, you're not going to know that I said something stupid, you know, right. like most, we were our own worst critics. So. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So what are, so actually you had, the business had a slow, you've retracted a bit. You're kind of coming back to baseline, reorienting yourself. 
paying off debt. Yeah, went up against some financial hurdles, which is awesome, admirable, and that's what you should do. That's the saddest thing in the world, though. Well, it's just I had a team, man. Sure, this is one of the toughest parts about. It's one of the toughest parts about it. I had a team, bro. I have a lot of people that were working with me, for me, dedicated, happy, counting on me, making plans based on me just continuing to be the best awesome dude that I can be. And, um, and, you know, when everything um, hit the fan, I I, I had to let them go and let them know that, hey, um, this is this is the saddest part um, about failure, especially when you're in control of people, you know, of, of people's futures and lives. Yep. You know, um, I was so sad, so sad. And they, they didn't know what they were going to do. Yeah. You know, and I tried to do everything I could for them. But, you know, at that point in time, it was like, okay, I need to take care of me, guys. You know. Well, and it's not, I mean, you're just digging a deeper hole and kicking the can down the road. Gosh. So. Don't do it. You know, my my coach is like, you delayed it two months too long. Yeah, you should have done this two months ago. 100%. Um, but you know, again, as an entrepreneur, you're like, hey, if I'm selling ten to fifty thousand a week, it can solve all the problems, and theoretically, it can, but you can't solve your your other problems, right? You know, and integrity is uh, you you know, you as a whole, your company as a whole, not just. The one little thing. Yep. So, um, yeah, this is a big lesson. So that was really sad, you know. Um, that's it's still really tough. You know, I still talk to them. Still talk to everybody three times a week, and they're like, when are we going again? Where are we going, bro? Well, that's good, though. I mean, you know. I mean, I think that just I commend you for uh, recognizing that, maintaining that relationship, taking the ownership on it. And this is the part that can scare people and keep them small. Um so don't let it scare you. Just be strategic and tactical. Go slow to go fast, which really just means get all your ducks in a row. Processes, systems, people, team. Get the business to a point where it's actually cash flowing and paying for itself and and paying you right. and still putting money in the bank. And then you can start to go a little bit faster. But delay gratification is hard. You got to stay yeah. optimistically grounded. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, to think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, don't let it scare you. Because uh, I'm going to do it again, yeah. and again, and again, and again, and again. Yeah. And it was the hardest thing in my life. You know, one of the hardest things in my life. But I'm going to go through it again and again. Yeah. And it might happen again. It might yeah. in a different way, but it might happen again. Yeah. But you're, you're learned now. You're. you're I, I you're learned. A bit smarter now. I learned, and hopefully people can learn from what I'm saying. But you know, just make sure that the ducks are in a row. Yeah. What. What uh? What are the biggest roadblocks and challenges you're up against right now? And maybe, maybe I can try to impart some wisdom on you and uh, see if we can maybe do some on-air consulting right now. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, well, the way I chose to solve my problems was go make ten to fifteen, uh, ten to twenty grand a month doing car sales. Yeah, and um, uh, pay back what I got to pay back and go from there. So I'm just locked in that. That 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 pattern right now, um, you know. I started I started doing. I did a few little jobs, um, just starting to get back into it part time again. Yep. Um, but then you know you get in your own head. So um, now that I know what I know, um, I went and purchased some other training programs and things like that. Um, by the way, uh, even if you fail and have nothing. 
find a way to scrape together money to buy more training programs. Yeah, um, Gr- and, and and growth and knowledge never ever ever stop growth and knowledge. Is, is that a? Is yeah, that, I agree. Hundred I mean, percent. I, 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 I'm I'm reading new books and consuming content and all every the time. Day. All the time. So I, I um I'm looking into how to acquire businesses. You know, um yeah. through special ways. Um, you know seller financing and I'm like, well, maybe I can hold out for the right deal there. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that. Um, uh, but I'm thinking about, um, acquiring businesses now that already have cash flow. Smart. And instead of uh, doing the whole startup thing. Again. Um, so the, the, the tough part there is again, I'm an experience in this arena now. So for me, it's like, Hey, do I, do I go back from the ground up? Or do I acquire another business and then just keep growing that one? I mean, it's a big decision. It is. I, I think, um, you know, stepping into a cash flowing business, it takes a little bit different mindset, more of a CEO's mindset. Um, being a founder and s- scaling something from the ground up is a little bit different in the sense that um, y- you're you're solving problems where there is no cash to solve the problem. Um, that said, I think we're on the, the starting line of the largest wealth transfer in history, right? Baby boomer generation is getting ready to exit the market. Millennial generation, your generation, my generation are taking over as the, the new guard. And uh, there's a ton of businesses out there that have not been innovated through better processes and systems and marketing and technology that are just need a place to go. Otherwise, they're going to close shop. And I just heard of one last week where the the old timer had it for two years listed electrical company, mm-hmm. 2 million bucks is what he had it listed for. Mm-hmm. He took an offer closed 700,000 nice. because he was tired of it. And he just 700,000 was enough for him to retire the way that he wanted to move to Florida, get the heck out of Colorado. So those are going to be everywhere. Um, one of the things that we're working on is if that whole market is fragmented and it's kind of a black hole. Right. And so we want to, we want to fix that. And so we're, Close. Uh, I can't can't let all the nuts out of the bag now, but there's there's some stuff coming down the pipe that we're working on to try to solve that problem, to make That's it awesome. more transparent, clear. Buyers, sell, sellers, financing, kind of bring the whole world together. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Now, <clears throat> because I've been actively looking. Yep. You know, I've signed NDAs and have um, uh, structures and knowledge now. Right. Um, what do you think the broker versus going and hunting it down and, you know, finding that electrical company yourself? Or do you think um, playing the long strategy with the brokers is, is worth it? A hundred percent. There's a couple things. Brokers play an incredibly valuable part in the market because it, just look at your experience as a small business owner, right? Mm-hmm. Growing a business is hard. Selling a business is even harder. They over... Owners tend to overvalue what their business is actually worth because they don't understand uh, how to calculate seller discretionary earnings or EBITDA. They don't know what the multiple is on their business. And there's a lot of emotion attached to it. So that arm's length with the broker. Now, not all brokers are created equal. The same, <laughs> is, same thing happens in real estate, right? It, it doesn't, right? So, but specifically in the world of business acquisition, a broker is incredibly valuable because they help the seller get their world in order, financials, documentation, gathering the SOPs, 
everything that you would need to run a real due diligence. If they don't do that, then they're they're either not worth their weight in gold or the the owner just doesn't have it. Right. <clears throat> when you go direct to the owner, sure, you might be able to get a little bit better negotiating power. Um, but you're going to have to help them get all that stuff in a row because odds are they don't have it in a row. Gotcha. In gotcha. Row. So unless you already have your systems and processes. Correct. Yeah, gotcha. So the um, don't let the fact that you're working with a broker scare you that you might not get good terms like seller financing or whatever like that because even if you're going to use the SBA, the SBA is still going to want to see like a 10% carryback. Right. And even then, it's like, hey, I'll give you your price, but you know, 50% seller carry, right? Right. And this amount of cash, or right. we're going to do an earnout, or you're going to carry the whole thing. You know, there's still certain problems that you're solving for, which is like, hey, maybe this person's older, maybe sick, and they need to move on from the business, or it's going to die. So you're right. like, well, I'll take it over, 100% seller financing, right? And then I'll send you a check every month. Right. That might be what's best for them. You know what I mean? So you got to, it's a little bit of boiling the ocean, but I think you also need to just play to your strengths. Like what industries do you understand? Do you know where you feel like you could right. jump into? Because if you're getting into stuff that you don't understand, you know, like e-commerce, like you're, you know, I just saw a business that was for sale that was like an e-commerce business in Colorado. It's like, if you didn't know what you were doing there, it doesn't matter. You don't have any skills to necessarily yeah. translate. <laughs> you're not going to be able to do that. Well, and yeah, so I've been looking in the service sector um, and there's, there's seemingly good deals out there, you know, um, but it looks like recently it's kind of hard for a guy like me to determine like, well, that last year dip, was that the owner and the employees or was that the market? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. You know, so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm reading into these things and I'm like, you know, to put up my LOI, it's, um, it's been tough to, especially because I'm so new, just to really take that stab at it. You know, I mean, um, I don't think you can quantify the entire business and the value add that you can bring based off of a, a trailing six financial. You got to look at the, you know, what are the last three years have been? The, what are the, what's the historical track record? Right. And then what are the gaps? Like, okay, that was a drop. What happened? Oh, it happened because our lead flow fell off. How do you guys get leads? Right. Oh, well, it's, we had this one service provider and they no longer exist. Okay. You're but like, then there's the opportunity. Right. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Is that's what you're trying to discover is what's the opportunity for me to yeah. add value. Yeah. Right. So. So, yeah. And so when you see those opportunities, like how, how quickly do you pull triggers on things like that? You got to have, you got to have a system for how you would unpack that information uh, you you can't really make an offer until you understand the full picture. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I, like I've like the one I'm seriously considering. Right. Yeah. I met with the owner um, and the broker, and have had those conversations. Yep. You know. Um, what kind of business? At a bath remodeling business. Okay. Yep. And um, you know they they're asking a really high multiple, and so for me um, SBA out is is out right now. Because I am paying back all this other stuff that I, you know, have to. So um, that's not really something that I think I can acquire. I don't know. I haven't spoken with anybody about that. Uh, it's just kind of been X'd out of my mind. Well, so first things first, have the conversation. Don't assume, right? You know what they say about that? About the SBA loan? 
Yeah, don't assume about the SBA loan. Yeah. You know, obviously that might temper some of your ability, but like you don't even know how much you could get approved for, right? It's true. And there's other ways to get financing. Not every, not everything's through the SBA. Right. So, and this is this is the other conversation. I guess that's why I asked about timeframes, because now I'm like, gosh, this is a whole business in itself. What do you mean acquiring? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, acquiring other businesses. Have you read the book Buy Then Build? No. Okay. Buy that book. Buy then build. All right. Yeah. Done. Um, that guy's kind of the guru on just entrepreneurship acquisition. Yeah. But so so what I all I'm hearing is you don't even know what you can afford. So you need to go get clear on that. Well, I haven't considered anything else but the narrow structure of what I want, right? Which is uh seller financing from a motivated seller. But you're not going to get a, the odds are you're not going to get 100% seller finance. Not going to get 100%, right. Yeah. So I would, again, give yourself options. Go figure out what you can actually afford because that's one option. You can probably afford more. Option number two is can I get some SBA financing? Option right. number three, can I get something that's non traditional SBA financing? And then from there, you have your couple different options. And then from there, what industry I want to be in. And then, like anything else, man, start hammering the phones. Right. Right. But you're going to have to go through a lot of deals to get to the bottom of what you're looking for. You know, it's not going to happen in one or two or five or Which is six. fine. Yeah. You're, you're the professional in the acquisition industry. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you're a professional in the acquisition industry. Sure. Yeah. Um, whether it's businesses or other stuff. Yep. And um, so what you're saying is basically uh, get all the ducks in a row. Get all the answers. Yeah. Have the system. Um, I should probably have a team doing this, correct? Because uh, I've only been doing it, you know, myself up to now. Just um, thinking about it, taking learning and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't – what do you mean by team? Uh, other people who are competent that uh, can help flow through the process. Like a buyer's broker or something like, like a that? Like a buyer's broker. That could be somebody on a team. Maybe somebody who can um, help analyze the deals. Somebody who can be like, okay. Um, I think you're over. Th- you're overthinking it. Yeah, you, you don't even know what you're looking for yet. So you're I, you're I, you're just interested. You're not being intentional. I. What do you mean by that? You don't know what you can afford. You don't know how you're going to put the debt or the equity together. You don't know how you're going to structure the deal. Figure out those things first, and then go hunting. Like if you were going on a hunting trip and you didn't bring your gun or ammunition with you, or where you were going to go, or what the path was. Would you get very far on that hunting trip? No. So that's what I'm saying is get all that stuff in a row and then you're ready to go. Right. But so, okay. Yep. Nope. But I, it, I think if you read that book, buy then, buy then build, buy then build, then you're going to start to get a lot of clarity. Fantastic. And then from there you just start, you got to build a system for, okay, here's all the deals that I want to look at. These are all the deals I'm going to reach out on. These are all the NDAs that I've signed. Here's all the financials, screen, 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 screen. It might take you a hundred deals before you find one. Right. So, that's the magic number. Well, let's shift. I know we're we're digressing a little bit. That's we can fine. we can yeah. we can talk about hey, this. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you see personally? You know, you're sitting in the seat. You're working in, in the car business, spotting new deals. What are you seeing as some of the biggest challenges ahead of us in the economy, business, industry? What are you thinking about? Because that's my favorite question to ask. I'm always interested what people's thoughts are on the economy. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I don't. I think that's all about how you handle it. I don't think the economy should affect uh, many businesses that much. Um, 
people are still going to be doing business in most businesses. Um, you know, especially if you're a small business, I, I think large businesses, um, that's a different story. You know, uh, businesses that re, re, rely on the supply chain, um, and other people, um, you know, so like in the painting business, I think what Sherwin Williams and Benjamin Moore does with their costs. Yeah. Will affect of what people affects your margin. Yeah, sure. affects your margin, or you know, people just have to pay more, and you know, so either people are going to get really good at market education, yeah, <laughs> or um, they're going to be taking little little haircuts. And uh, other than that, though, I think people are still going to buy. There's still a road to the sale. There's still an economy, especially here in Northern Colorado, yeah, that is just uh, booming. If people still spend money in a down economy, they're just pickier about what they're spending their yeah. money on. And so, yeah, you know, if you're just another painting company or whatever, you know, you're, you're a dime a dozen. So what makes you different? Right. Marketing content, those types of things definitely make you stand out as a category of one, right. which I think is super important. I think companies with plans. Um, so if you have a plan for that, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, if you, Pulled out a PDF document and just wrote down a plan for how you're going to educate your customers. Yep. One step better than the next guy. Gosh, that may be all you need. Well, yeah. So, I mean, this is a part of entrepreneurship that I don't think anybody really talks about, but entrepreneurs, CEOs, they're always looking around the corner. They're right. always looking down the road, right. trying to figure out, you know, what am I not seeing that could sideswipe me? Right. And it's kind of fun. Um, can also be a little stressful because, you know, it you, can be, especially you, if you're removed. Yeah. Like if you're removed from the sales side of things, let's say, right. you know, you used to be in sales, but you're not doing sales anymore. If you're removed like that, um, it's really important that you have a good team, Yeah, I believe, and be able to have them like, you know, they're going to have conversations and they might have that one idea that could change everything. And so yeah. I think, you know, people with strong teams and good communication in their company, mm. uh, a culture of, of responsiveness. Yep. Um, I think those people will win the day because, you know, as as people are out on those sales, they can give feedback to the company about what people are talking about. Yeah, as the CEO, you're looking for that candor and that feedback so you can start to totally pivot and adjust. And this guy's killing it over here. What is he doing that right. these guys aren't? How do we impart that on that team? So right. That's crucial. Well, um, what are you most excited about right now? Gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm most excited about my relationship to be honest with you uh, my personal life you know um i think it's important for people to know that even if you have uh small temporary failures um don't let it affect your personal life you know um so i'm excited that i've been able to um grow a relationship and uh maintain friendships and and to me that's part of keeping everything on top you know and keeping um, the main thing the main thing keeping right. the main thing the main thing and you know this um let's say i do go end up purchasing businesses or something of that nature that'll work itself out yeah you know uh through conversations like this um you know i'll i'll figure that out uh or if i just want to go ground up it's just business man you know it's just business it's not life um, or death so for me um you know, whatever I decide, I'll do good at it and I won't make the same mistakes again and I'll keep rolling. And so life is, life is bright and, um, it's all because I went through that crazy journey of entrepreneurship. A hundred percent. Um, 
before I let you go, mm-hmm. if there was one book, one piece of content that every person listening to this should be listening to, what would you tell them to read? That's a tough one. <laughs> Just one. You can only pick one. Only one. Most impactful book for you. Um, Science Getting Rich changed my life. Yeah, just that one, that one, one line in that one line in the book. Actually, the whole book is really, really good. Um, It's 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 um, especially if you're a a Christian or a person who practices um, uh, the secret, right? Um, This is a good book to understand. Good. What do you think separates those people who become successful entrepreneurs from those who give up, quit, or never get started? Um, intentional action. Mm. I think, um, people like you, um, I just, our conversation here just proved it. People like you who have achieved certain levels, uh, of success, um, have taken lots and lots of intentional action and continue to talk about intentional action mm. and see intentional action, mm. you know, and, um, people who, who um, are practicing <laughs> like me um, and and still striving and striving and striving um, don't have that um, down pat. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Yeah, you can't, you will never get better if you're not. Oh, and they never give up. True. Ever. You only fail if you quit. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, entrepreneurship <laughs> is honestly a career path. Yeah. And uh, it's a weird career path, but... <laughs> It's a career path, but your 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 brain just has to think like it. Yep, and um, and even if you have to go back and get a job, guess what? You're a better employee now because you actually really understand. Like, wow, this is yeah harder than it looks. You yeah, know? Not yeah. A, you're not an armchair quarterback anymore. At yeah, that point. and it doesn't have to be permanent. No, hundred percent. You know, the first day back, I was like, I felt shame, and sure. then I was like, yeah, I'm not ashamed of anything I do. Hundred percent. All right, last thing. What inspiration do you have for the late or start entrepreneur who's sitting there listening to this on YouTube? Maybe they're watching it on TikTok, LinkedIn, and they're thinking about taking the entrepreneur leap. What would you tell them? Find people who you can talk to about it. Find your tribe. Find a community. You know, like the the painting community and the coaching program that I am part of is incredible. It changed my life. Talking to other entrepreneurs, find them. Go to a meetup. Yep. Go to One Million Cups No Co. You know, go to these things and just find people to talk to about it. Yeah. And um, and uh, start your journey somewhere and start it with people. Network matters for sure. If uh, people connected with your story. They wanted to follow along with your journey, see what you're up to next. Maybe reach out, have some questions, grab a cup of coffee. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah. So, um, you can look up great area painting on Facebook. Um, you hang out on LinkedIn too, right? I'm, I'm on LinkedIn too. Matthew Stanford on LinkedIn. I can't see me. I'm Samson's friend. Maybe we'll make a post about yeah, that. We can connect there. Yeah. We'll, we'll post. And I'll tag him after this today. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to, um, I'd love to be back. Connect with me again when I come back with another success story. Let's go, dude. I love that. 
Absolutely. Hey guys, if uh, you haven't already done so, you haven't headed over to paying2profit.co and subscribe to the free weekly newsletter, Street Smarts. I curate a newsletter every single week, helping you guys save time and level up on the eight core concepts of business. We talk about leadership, finance, operations, growth, product service, sales, and marketing. And we drop new pods, little nuggets about events that we're hosting inside of that email. It's absolutely free. We're working to create the best entrepreneurial newsletter out there, period, end of story. And if it's not, tell me, fire me. Uh, I'll fire myself. I'll just stop writing a newsletter altogether. But I promise you it'll be the best email in your inbox every single week. I love it. I love it. I read the post that your wife made. I loved it. Um, It's a wonderful, wonderful newsletter. Awesome, bro. I appreciate you. I'm excited for what's next and can't wait to have you back on the show. Thanks, bro.